Welcome to another episode of the Death and Taxes podcast. My name is Brandon Ayers. I am your host. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, please, by the way, take some time to rate us and review us. I'd really appreciate a five-star rating. One of my favorite podcast hosts out there, it's a sports guy, his name is Bomani Jones, and he always says, if you only give us four stars, I'm inclined to think you are a hater. You know, I don't have that kind of clout. But let's just give me five stars, please. Um, I am an estate planning attorney, tax planning attorney. I have some financial licenses. I work uh, through my company, Ayers Rock Planning, to do prospective tax planning, uh, risk reduction strategies for people. I also work for a law firm to do their estate planning for the firm. Uh, you know, and I also take care of capital gains issues, planning out, you know, the risk of loss of income, what happens to you if you pass away when you're too young, all those types of things. You know, despite my qualifications in those areas, I'm not your attorney. I'm not your advisor. I'm not anyone's financial advisor. I'm not an advisor in any way. None of this is advice. This is just general entertainment purposes only. I hope you feel like you've learned something when you end of the episode, but this can't be specific advice to you because I don't know who you are. If you'd like to get to know me and have a chance for me to get to know you, you can find me at Twitter at Ayers Rock Plans. Got a YouTube channel where there's a companion income tax bootcamp going on at Ayers Rock Planning. I'm on Instagram at Ayers Rock Planning. I'm even on TikTok at Ayers Rock Plans. The website is AyersRockPlanning.com. So you have plenty of ways to get a hold of me, find out more if you want to yell at me or ask me some questions. So let's get on with part two of the Income Tax Bootcamp. What we're going to talk about are some ideas of how to pay less income tax. I don't know if you find that interesting. You probably don't, right? Nobody really wants to pay less income tax. Everybody's really happy with the amount of income tax. Well, you know, the truth is many people think Oh, to pay less income tax, we got to move stuff to Panama or something like that. No, we're not, we're not talking about that either. What we are interested in is using the tax code to the, your benefit rather than to your detriment. You know, it's kind of funny, the idea that we have about taxes in our heads, we think about, oh, when you talk about paying less tax, it kind of becomes a morality question, right? But I think of it this way. If you were charged for a crime that you didn't commit, you would use the law. You would say, you have to prove my guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. You wouldn't say, well, I don't want to embarrass you know, the police officers and the attorneys on the other side. You know, They have families. They have livings. I don't want them to be fired. And with income tax planning, you know, it's not your responsibility to provide the government with revenue that you don't otherwise have to give them. Their, their revenue gaps and their budgets are not your burden to bear. Your responsibility, your legal duty, your patriotic duty, it's just to pay the tax that you owe and nothing more. In the end, the income tax is pretty simple. You know, what it says is all income from whatever source derived is taxable as income. And then the rest of the code says, well, here's some exceptions. Here's the exceptions to those exceptions, so on and so forth. So all you have to do to pay less income tax is to know how to navigate through those exceptions to the rule that all income from whatever source derived is taxable as income. Now, I was taught this a while ago. And I, and I have stuck with it throughout the years, to view the income tax code as a series of traffic signals. Think about driving from here to the grocery store. You might see some stop signs. You might see yield signs. You might see lights, red, yellow, green. Sometimes you'll have left red arrows. Sometimes you can turn right on red. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes only the right turn lane of the multiple right turn lanes could turn right on red. You never would sit in that far right turn lane saying, well, I know I can turn right on red, but I don't want to make the guy in the leftmost right turn lane feel bad for me turning right on red. You'd never think that. And again, that mindset for the tax code needs to be the same. 
You need to know where you can turn right on red, when you can turn left, when you need to stop, when you need to slow down, when you can speed up, when you have to pay tolls. Tax equivalent of stopping for two seconds and then going. Those are all the things you need to understand to minimize the income tax that you have to pay. Now, when it comes to the law and the standard for not paying or paying tax, there's actually a Supreme Court case um, on record. It's a pretty well-known, very old, but pretty well-known Supreme Court case with a famous judge. I just get a kick out of this judge's name. Has to be the best name ever for the judge. His name is Learned Hand, like Learned, L-E-A-R-N-E-D, Hand, H-A-N-D. So what that Supreme Court says is there's no patriotic duty to pay more tax than what the law requires a person to do. And that's been the case law ever since. You don't have any patriotic duty to pay more tax than you have to. So the biggest thing you need to pay less tax is to get over the head trash that paying less tax is some side of moral fault. There's no obligation for you to pay more tax than what you need to pay. The second thing you need to understand is how the tax preparation business is run. It really incentivizes you to do nothing and just pay what you think sounds right. You know, I do such and such for a living and make this much money. Eh, I don't really want to minimize. That sounds like a pain. Let's just take the standard deduction. All right. And here's the tax I owe. Uh, and, oh, it's already the middle of January. Do I really want to go through and try and itemize everything from last year? I didn't keep track. I'll do better this year. The way the, the tax prep business and the tax schedule works is to set you up to pay more tax than you otherwise might need to pay. But you're a fool if you think that the really wealthy don't invest in tax planning people to lower their tax bills. And that's how they see it as investment. They say, I'm going to put out X amount of money to save Y amount of money, 3X amount of money. They pay tax planners. And you can do the same thing. Now, you might just have a few less zeros than those really wealthy people, but you can, you can save tax, you can pay tax planners, and you can still do the same thing. Now, the problem with, again, the tax planning industry is that a lot of tax planners do what I call historical tax advice. You take them what you did last year, and they tell you what you owe or what you get refunded. Their business is a good business. It's a valuable business. It gives a good service, but it's just not set up to give advice for what to do going forward other than some maybe offhand comments. So what I want to get into here are just a few strategies on how to pay less income tax. Some simple things, some not simple things, but the first lesson is to get over that head trash that you could be doing something wrong. All I ever do for my clients is use an existing CAC code to their benefit, period. I never get anywhere close to any kind of line. Second, you need to understand that if you need to plan, if you're going to pay less tax. If you don't plan, you're going to pay more tax. So what does tax planning look like? Well, the best tax plans are a long plan. I'm talking about like planning for a century and then you adjust each year and it made your life events. So one of the biggest luxuries you need for tax planning is not more income, not more money. The biggest thing you can give yourself when it comes to tax planning is time. Time is the biggest thing. You really need to secure a taxless future for yourself and your family and take the time to do it. And let's look at just like a single year as an example. If you're sitting at your desk on December 30th trying to lower your taxes for that year, you're not going to have a good time. It's not a whole lot you can do. Maybe you're looking at receipts and you're trying to recategorize things, maybe a quick adjustment. Tools you have are limited. But if you start on January 1st, a couple of days later, and intentionally act or refrain from acting, then you're really cooking. You can take the whole year and figure out when to acquire and sell things with your tax bill in mind and also whatever, you know, maybe running a business in mind as well. And that's a, a parenthetical lesson for tax planning, by the way, is never let the tax plan drive the business. 
Get a good business, and then we'll make a tax plan for it if you're a business owner. Um, don't do it the other way around. All right, back to the back to business here. So that one-year example really does apply to planning for taxes throughout your life. And if we're talking serious tax planning, through the life of your descendants and their descendants. If you spend time now with the plan of, here's what's going to happen when I'm young, and maybe not earning as much money as I eventually want to, and here's what I'm doing when I'm in the prime of my career, when I'm really churning out a healthy income, and then what am I going to do when I'm planning to retire on that on-ramp to retirement? What do I do during retirement? What do I do in my 70s, my 80s? What do I do when I pass away and my kids or other loved ones inherit my money? And what I want to set them up for to repeat this whole cycle. If you plan all of those things, you're going to probably pay about as little as tax as you ever possibly could. But the truth is most people don't. Most people only think about income tax, really, February, March, and April of each year, whenever they get serious about their return. And then uh, when they hit the required minimum distributions of their retirement accounts, which is now at age 72. That's when most people think about, hey, I should have a tax plan to pay less taxes than this. It's affecting my Medicare benefits. Well, at that point, it could be a lot too late. Maybe you can do some things, but it's really tough. It's like doing stuff on December 30th rather than January 1st. So let's say we've got time and we've gotten over the head trash. And now we want to put together a tax plan. The first question you want to ask is, who do you want to pay tax? Then you ask, when do you want that person to pay it? And then you ask, what kind of tax do you want them to pay? Now we're talking about an income tax boot camp here. So we're talking about personal income tax, but there are other kinds of taxes, right? You know, there's capital gains, there's corporate income tax, there's excise tax, there's state taxes, municipal taxes, all sorts of things. But we're going to stick here to income tax silo because really you can do enough just controlling your federal income tax to save significant money. And, and the lessons probably apply to other kinds of tax as well. So who do you want to pay income tax and when do you want them paid it? That answer depends on you, <laughs> your income, your marital status, your health, healthier spouse. You know, if you have kids and a spouse, you know, your kids um, or other beneficiaries, their job, their income status, their marital status, their health. You know, think about maybe you have identical twins, DNA identical. They're still not going to turn out to be the same person. And they're probably not going to have the exact same job and a spouse with the exact same job. One of those kids is going to be paying higher tax than the other twin. It's just it's how it works. So you need to take into account individuals and what they're going to do. So let's, you know, just a quick example here. Let's say those identical twins, maybe they're both married. Maybe they are married to identical twins themselves, but one just simply, and they have the same job. One simply lives in San Francisco and the other one lives out here in suburban Chicago. The one out in San Francisco is going to be paying more tax than the one here, income tax. And for this example, probably property tax as well. So now you have a child you know, that's faced with paying more tax when they inherit your IRA than their twin brother. So, so that kind of illustrates you really got to take individual of, of who and when do you want to pay tax? Well, that's a simple answer there. The time you want to pay tax, you ready to write this down? You want to pay tax when you can pay tax at the lowest rate possible. Mind-blowing, right? Kind of like uh, learning poker, learning what hand is good and what hand is bad is, is not that difficult. Executing that is very, very difficult. So knowing that, hey, I want to pay taxes at the lowest rate possible. All right, great. How? Well, let's talk about it. The reason most people fail at this is because of something we've been educated on really since, uh, well, 1975, <laughs> um, defer taxes, contribute to your IRA or 401k, defer taxes into the future. 
But look at your tax situation now. Look at your kids' tax situations now. Are you confident that you are paying higher taxes now than you or your kids will in the future? If you do think you're paying lower taxes now than you or your kids will in the future, it doesn't make any sense to defer into the higher tax environment. You'd want to pay tax now in order to avoid higher taxes later. If you think the opposite, then you defer from the high tax environment into the lower tax environment. People who were the first on board to contribute to IRAs in the mid-70s, they were deferring out of one of the historically high income tax environments. And depending on their biographical information, they probably deferred right into one of the lowest income tax eras. So they pulled off the right move. But now I believe we're kind of in the opposite situation, to be perfectly honest with you. I'll put you, I'll put me as an example. I'm not putting any money into traditional 401k or traditional IRA. I'm putting as much as I can into Roth 401k, Roth IRA. I don't think there's a chance that when I retire, income tax rates and income is going to be lower. You know, I could be wrong about that. Just ask my wife, but I'm pretty confident that I'm not. So I'm not deferring tax. I think paying tax now at income tax rate is smarter than deferring to the future for me. That's the choice I'm making for myself. Now, there's going to be other people out there, financial advisors, attorneys, other people that say, well, if you do the math, you know, if you pay tax out of pocket before investing it, then you actually invest less, right? So if you have $1,000 that's tax-free, you can invest $1,000 and watch that grow. Where if you have to pay $200 of tax, now you only invest $800 instead of $1,000. No, that's that's true. If if that's how that's working, you know, tit for tat like that, absolutely true. But I think those people are really underestimating the compounding taxes that build up within there. You know, think about every dollar you gain still has tax coming out of it. So you th- let's use the same math. You know, if if you would have lost twenty percent to taxes, well, now on your one thousand dollars, each time you gain a dollar, you're really only gaining eighty cents because you still got to pay tax on it. Whereas on the $800 investment, each time you gain a dollar, you gain a dollar. How long do you think it would take to make up for that initial $200 loss over the chance of a working career? Even if tax rates themselves don't go up, who do you think comes out ahead? Well, the truth is if tax rates stay the same and they have the same investment, it'd probably come out exactly the same. But uh, the, point, the point is the people who say, oh, you, you invest less when you t- pay tax first, they ignore what you have to do at the end. And frankly, most of the people who get that advice, I'll just be very honest with you here, they're paid by the total assets they have of yours under their management. And so they don't care how much tax you build up in your account. They get paid on the gross number, not on the net. The only person who feels the taxation is you and your kids. So anyway, um, and speaking of tax rates, I mentioned I don't think there's a chance by the time I retire that taxes will be lower, the tax rates themselves. You know, there's the Congressional Budget Office, who's, who's a real government watchdog, other government watchdogs have been yelling, frankly, since George W. Bush was president. So that's two Republicans, two Democrats, if you're keeping track. They've been saying the same thing. If we're going to spend the way we're spending, we need to double our tax rates, period. And really, if we're going to cut spending, there's only a couple of programs that matter. And those programs are Medicare uh, slash Medicaid, Social Security, the National Defense, and debt servicing. If you're not talking about cutting those four programs, you're not talking about saving significant budgetary money. So I think eventually some political hot potato is going to go off where some poor politicians are going to have to increase tax rates. Maybe there's a social wave behind it that think that's okay, or maybe they just all lose their jobs to save the fiscal 
health of our country. Or maybe, if it's like anything else, they just let the ship go down rather than lose their job. So when I think about 37, 33%, 24% tax brackets, I think by the time my retirement rolls around, I think we're going to be looking at those kind of like we look at pictures from when we were young and we think back, remember when I thought I looked bad back then? Remember when I wasn't happy with my body or whatever it is back then? You know, sure, my hair, my clothes were embarrassing, but look how in shape I was. What was I thinking back then? I think we're going to be kind of the same thing and say, remember, remember when we looked at those tax rates and thought we were paying a lot of tax? Man, what were we thinking? So deferring in the future, that's a huge question of when do you want to pay tax? Do you want to pay it now or do you want to pay it in the future? I've given you my opinion. You can make yours. But it brings up another issue. If you have kids, think about the age that your kids are when the second parent passes away. Most kids are. You know, they're usually in their highest working years, aren't they? Or, or, or at least approaching it. And the way it works when you inherit an IRA from a parent, every cent is taxable as income tax, that beneficiary. So they'll pay income tax on every penny they inherit from you within 10 years of the date of their death or the date of the death of your surviving spouse. And if they're in the highest yearning years and we're talking, you know, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, do you think they're going to be paying higher or lower tax on that? Do you think they'll be paying anything less than 35%? I don't know the answer to that, but I think Uncle Sam's going to be a big beneficiary of your IRA unless you plan and you need to take the time to plan. And IRA planning specifically, there's, there's what I call 12 or 13 good years between age 59 and a half and before age 72. Between those two years is when you can really do whatever you want as long as you're willing to pay the income tax on your retirement accounts. So that's the win. Now, there are some interesting strategies when we get down to the nitty gritty beyond the ideas of who and when, but really the who and when are the first choices you have to make before you talk about any kind of strategy. Um, the best way to make sure you can take advantage of the most specific exceptions of the tax code is to be a business owner, not a mere employee. That's just the truth of it. You know, mere mortal employees have a lot less choices available to them as far as deductions or exceptions from taxes or exemptions. Um, so as far as uh, specific deductions, exemptions, recategorizations, business owners have a lot more to them. So part of planning that I do is, you know, let's see if maybe you and your spouse, maybe a spouse isn't working, or maybe uh, you've both kind of had a passion, especially in the years of COVID. Maybe you don't, you got kind of burnt out of, of your work and you've had this passion or a hobby. Maybe you can turn that into a business. You know, you don't have to recreate the next Amazon, but a business that allows you to, you know, maybe earn some income and take care of the tax code. And maybe the other spouse, you or the other spouse can provide at least a little bit of stable income as an employee. I think that's a really good situation and can be a good plan for people who have that kind of passion or hobby. Um, my favorite example, I've talked about this in other places, is uh, a married couple. One's a, one's a business owner in real estate and the other is a high-earning employee, maybe at a place with a good 401k or pension plan. That would be a great opportunity. If, if you are that couple and you haven't done any tax planning, get a hold of me. I can save you some tax money, probably. I have to add that disclaimer in, probably. Results do vary. Now, we're going well beyond 20 minutes here, so I don't want to make these episodes too long, so I'm going to recap this part two. Pay less tax. First, get over your own head trash. It's okay to pay as little tax as legally required. Then you've got a plan. And part of that plan, you've got to decide who's going to pay tax and when. Is it going to be you? And when is it going to be you? Is it going to be your spouse? When? Is it going to be your kids? What's their life going to be look like when they have a chance to and when they're required to? If you really want to take advantage of the tax code, think about turning a hobby into a business, especially if, if one of you and a couple is not actively employed somewhere. So that's a way to pay less tax. So that's it for this episode. You can follow me on Twitter at Ayers Rock Plans, YouTube, Ayers Rock Planning, Instagram, Ayers Rock Planning, TikTok, Ayers Rock Plans, 
Website, as always, airsrockplanning.com. My name is Brandon Ayers. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you on episode three of our Income Tax Boot Camp. Don't forget about our companion Income Tax Boot Camp on YouTube, released every Tuesday. These episodes come out on Thursdays. Uh, I cover the same topic in a different way, so it's not completely overlapping. I think you can learn that from part one of each one if if you watch both. Anyway, have a great day. Be kind to each other. Stay safe. Adios.